Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Pilot's Guide Podcast. It's me, John, and uh, normally, again, I would be joined by my co-host, Sean, but again, we have another guest episode because of some timing issues and uh, just wanting to get another episode out. I had uh, an episode recorded with another guest, and we watched another fun show on Amazon, which is good because Sean's usually not into Amazon, and by now, his uh, his Amazon trials probably ran out, so... Uh, I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Hey guys, uh, this is Sean. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, Sean. This is Emily. I am John's sister. Um, yes. Some things about me, I still consider peace signs a way of communicating with people. <laughs> um, so when I enter the room, I throw up the good peace throw sign. Up, throw up the deuces. Um, I'm a sophomore. Oh my gosh, I'm a junior in college. Yes, she is. And um, that cute little logo, I made it. Yes. Um, I'm an aspiring graphic designer. But we'll see how that turns out. Um, but maybe there'll be some new logos in the future. Yes. So yeah, that's about and, me. And uh, at the end of the pod, Emily will will plug all of her all of her uh, social media platforms. So if you're affixed with some of the points that Emily makes, and you think that she's a, a fun guest, you can uh, follow her on all those platforms. But we will get into it. Emily, what show did we watch this week? Um, so we watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. um, and it was a recommendation that was given to me by my best friend Jackie. So shout out to her, and also a recommendation by uh, one of my uh, coworkers, Steve. If Steve somehow is listening to this down the line, hey Steve. Um, So it was, you know, a show that was set in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Um, We could tell right away the scene opens up with this bride. We don't really know right away that it is Mrs. Maisel uh, or the soon-to-be Mrs. Uh Maisel. Mm. And it's her giving a toast. And it was really um, a beautiful way to open up the show. Yes, They have the wedding party happening. You have uh, the parents sitting around, the guests of the wedding. And she's up there kind of stealing the show. Yeah. She says, I'm giving my own uh, wedding address at my, my own wedding. Uh, and you're sort of like, wow, it look like, looks like she's up on the stage giving a, giving a stand-up routine. But uh, I wonder what that means to the, uh, the whole plot of the show. Who knows? But uh, she's very confident. She exudes confidence. She's a really powerful uh, female character. Super fun. Very funny. Uh, Up front, you you see she's joking. Uh, We're introduced to a couple members of her family, her dad and her mom. Her father's played by uh, the man who played Monk, uh, if you know Monk. Also important to note, she is very Jewish. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their family is, is very, very Jewish. And she is about to get married to one Joel Maisel, the man who gives her the name, Mrs. Maisel. And he's just a guy who is... If you've ever watched Boy Meets World, it's the same guy who plays Joey, one of the bullies. I really like Boy Meets World. He's a big fan. watching a lot of Boy Meets World recently. Yeah, uh, I'm thankful to recognize that that was him, even though... uh, Soon enough, you'll find out that uh, he's not a great character. But up front, he seems like a pretty nice guy. They seem like they're going to have it all together. There's a nice voiceover, and it's like how they meet. And she says, my favorite line from the show was so far was, someone fat to eat with who won't steal my boyfriend. That's how she described her best friend and their relationship mm-hmm. together. And I thought that, that was super funny and pretty super goofy. endearing. And she's sharing that in front of the whole wedding crowd. Mm-hmm. And just really how they met and um, their love story and how it began. Yes. Well, one of the most important scenes, there's not a ton that happens in, I guess I consider this a flashback because the majority of the show takes place 
four years in the future from this point. But mm-hmm. uh, like Emily described, their little story about their their early romance. Uh, she was a student at Bryn Mawr. Shout out to PA. Pretty fun. I, I'm pretty sure they live in New York. We we never got confirmation, but like the accents, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, very uh, New Yorker style accents, and mm-hmm. the streets that they ride on, right. and like some of the main buildings that we see um, as they travel in yellow taxi cabs and stuff like that is very quintessential New York in mm-hmm. the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And again, one, one one really important thing that happens in that early part of their life, uh, Joel and May and Mrs. Maisel, who we, I should know her name. Is it Mar- Mil- Mildred? Mildred. I Mildred. The two of them go to like a burlesque. Oh, Miriam. Sorry. We gotta look. At, let, I, let's, <laughs> let's fact check. You you can you fact check that for me? Yes. Um, so the two of them go to a burlesque club, and they are just you know do, seeing some burlesque woman and then at, at the after the woman's off stage um Lenny Bruce who is a famous comedian comes up takes the stage and um both Joel and name Miriam Miriam Midge, in quotation marks yes, Midge Midge and Joel uh, are super infatuated by Lenny Bruce and his comedy uh, which is a very important factor in this show because the plot really devolves around, really revolves around, rather, uh, stand-up comedy. So after that, we get a four-year time jump to the present, mm-hmm. and uh, what do we get? What what does it open up with? Um, you can see that she has this personality that everyone knows. Like you got it in the beginning when she was at her <clears throat> wedding. You know, she's giving her own speech, her own toast. But then when we're fast forward to the four years later. Everyone knows her. She knows everyone. And she has opinions about everything. Mm -hmm. So they're going to the meat market. And she, you know, cuts in line in front of this woman. And the lady's like, what the heck? Why are you you cutting in line? Uh And she was like, what did she order? I'll pay for it. So she has this personality that is magnetic and that everyone seems to be drawn to. Mm -hmm. But also you can tell that she has wealth. Um, and there's this, yeah, oh yeah. The, from the clothes that she's wearing compared to the clothes that the other people around her are wearing, the way her house looks when we eventually get into their house and we yeah. see what that's like, um, you can just tell that there's this wealth, but also this personality that is combined with the wealth. So it's mm-hmm. not just her as this, um, as you would imagine, this wealthy person who doesn't have friends or only has yeah. certain friends and doesn't run her own for her own groceries and doesn't, you know, cook all of her own food. But mm-hmm. um, Midge definitely does and definitely is that 1958 woman. Traditional, very traditional, very, you know, that that culture embodied through her, um, which... In the end of the episode, she sort of breaks that mold. But up front, you get that that woman this from facade on the yeah, outside. Exa- exactly. Uh, even though deep within, she has there's a a comedian brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's all excited. She tells the butcher that 
they got the rabbi, which uh, I guess for, <laughs> for, for a Jewish, before. yeah, they're going to break fast with the rabbi. They have the rabbi coming over. They've got this big party in, in a couple days, and she's ordering, like, some pork chops or something from them. And that's very big. She's, like, very excited mm-hmm. about having this. She's been trying to get the rabbi to come to her place for Since four, the wedding. F- since the wedding. Because at the wedding, she makes a joke um, oh, about there being shrimp in the spring rolls or the egg rolls or something yes. like that. And everyone and gets up from their tables and is freaking out. Um, and the dad's yelling, like, who cares? Stop. Tell me where in the Bible it says you're not allowed to eat shellfish. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sure enough, the rabbi is like, thou shall not eat food with a shells, yeah, fish, dirty fish from the sea, or whatever it is. I can't, I should be able to quote the, the line, but... Uh, so yeah, the, the rabbi's really upset, and now they have him back for this party that's coming up. She's schmoozed her way yeah. uh, back into the good graces of the rabbi, which is, again, something that is super important about her personality. She's a schmoozer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, she is. So, after that, uh, we find out that Joel has a, a comedy show um, at 1.45 in the morning... At like um, this, it's called the Gaslight Cafe. Gaslight Cafe, um, and it's kind of like underground, scummy, like New a little York. seedy, yeah. Uh, but just it's like it's downtown. It's downtown New York. Mm-hmm. Pretty traditional club setting, like smoky and dirty, and there's round tables and a bar. It's just very quintessential. 1950s again, like that yeah. whole New York setting. Mm-hmm. They really put you in that. Is it he has the he has the the showtime or he's trying to get the showtime? He has the showtime, but he wants to be earlier because up. everyone's left. So uh, Midge pulls her magic and makes this brisket yeah. um, in this pink Pyrex container. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something I feel like I would find at any garage sale. Yeah, John's a big garage sale kind of guy. Big, big garage boy. So we've seen lots of colored Pyrex um, true, true. on our Saturday mornings. So she makes this brisket just to kind of bring to this guy named Baz, Baz. who uh, sets the times at the club to try and make Joel's time a little sooner in the night so that, you know, the bar's full and that people are there to laugh and it ends up being successful and we find out she kind of does this a lot. She makes the brisket, she brings it places to get what she wants um, and she's really trying to help Joel be successful with this uh, comedian aspiration and wants him to have a good showtime mm-hmm. where everyone can be there to listen. Yeah. So while Joel performs, Midge is, is taking notes the entire time. Mm-hmm. She's very uh, detail-oriented. In in the montage of the cab ride of them to get from their apartment to the club, you see shots of her looking out the window at different people observing, you know, a policeman eating a donut and, and all this stuff that she could, like, almost use as material if mm-hmm. she were her own comedian. Uh, but that's not yet. And yeah, so she's she's got this little pink notebook that she she takes notes in very vigorously. And and at the end of the night, when they're driving home in the cab, uh, Joel's sort of like sleeping on her shoulder, and she's like, "You had three more laughs tonight than time. you did the last time." And uh, but one thing that she did notice at the bar that the bartender, played by the tour guide and teacher in the Lizzie McGuire oh my God, movie, yes. yes. Um, I don't know what her name is, but I, as soon as she pops on the screen, I started seeing this is what dreams were are made of. Yes, um, Paolo. She says, she says, sing to me, Paolo, yes. in, this, in the show. I was ready for her to 
bring out her whistle and start blowing it. Um, but yeah, the bartender, mm-hmm. she who's played by her, is not a fan Mm-mm. of uh, Joel's comedy. Everyone no. in the club, they scan, they scan the whole club in the shot. Everyone's laughing. Uh, Midge is taking notes and laughing as well. Uh, and he's kind of proud of her husband up there. And then you see this bartender who's she's leaning against the wall and she's mm-hmm. like. What is this? Like, this guy's not funny. Just this whole expression on her she face. She ain't about it. She's not about it. And nobody notices, but Midge notices. Yeah. Most important. So she writes that down, and, and she sort of notes that in the back of her mind. Uh, and then after that, we get... Uh, is it the scene of her picking up her kids? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. So she picks up her son, Ethan... Who is this little boy who does not listen, very much like Joba Dog, if you've ever seen that uh, video on YouTube. And He doesn't uh, say anything, he doesn't listen, there's nothing happening. Ethan, 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 she keeps saying his name and he's reading the paper, much like his grandfather. Who is in the scene, they're at um, the grandparents' house. Rich as hell. Yes, you can tell that they're super wealthy, Um, she had come onto the 12th floor from where they were. So they're living in the same building oh as gosh. the parents. I don't remember the floor number. Oh, yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> Very good. Um, and then they're also looking at the... They have a daughter who is not a year yet, and yep. um, the mother of Midge's mother and her talking about how big her forehead is yes. and how ugly she is, and I felt so bad for her. because well, it sort of made it seem She's... like she had, like, a fever or something, or, like, a sickness, and, like, the, the grandmother's like, it's really bad. It's so bad. But they're just talking about the size of her forehead. Yeah, they sit her down and they wrap a, a measuring tape around her head, yes. and it's like, oh. Yes, I feel super bad for her, and she's just a cute little fat baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of get in, in uh, a look into what family life is for Midge uh, before marrying, and you can see that the wealth is just, like, everything is oh, yeah. gold and ornate um, yeah. and very um, patterned and beautiful in this mm-hmm. uh, apartment, but it's not even an apartment. It's probably the size of her house. Yeah, it's a penthouse. <laughs> so, uh, she's a stay-at-home mom. That mm-hmm. is what she does. We learn that now. She's constantly cooking and cleaning and taking care of her kids while Joel works in the office and doing whatever the heck he does. She definitely wants to um, impress him. Yes. There's a scene, this whole scene, where she doesn't take her makeup off until he makes she makes sure that he's asleep. Oh, it's... And then she goes to the bathroom and there's this whole scene with her, like, you putting a face mask on, doing curling her hair, mm-hmm. um, and getting ready for bed and moving into the bed as quietly as possible. Yes. And then leaving the window cracked just a little bit so that she oh. wakes up before him, where so she takes the face mask off, takes the curlers out, um, and gets back into bed so that he has no idea that women don't wear makeup all the time. Um, It's probably really bad for her skin, but she has beautiful skin, so I don't know what her secret is. True. That's the tea. That's the tea. So, uh, yeah, her her parents also, they don't really understand what Joel's whole thing with comedy is. Mm -hmm. They're just like, it's It's stupid. It's just a hobby, but like, they think he, they, they sort of poo-poo it away mm-hmm. um and then we get we move on to a scene where uh we have Maisel in her living room mm-hmm. uh, with her friend with her friend uh, I don't think Emma really, Jane I yeah they don't really was. introduce her she's just kind of but she's like her close friend she's in a yeah. couple scenes um and her so her friend's there with a notebook just jotting stuff down as Maisel proceeds to measure 
pretty much every part of her body. Her thighs, her calves, her ankles. Her chest, her bottom. Both sides to make sure that she's extremely proportionate, which Mm -hmm. you find out she is. All the measurements line up. Yes. And it makes sense as to why they uh, measured the little girl's head, because I guess it's just... Uh Uh-huh, exactly. The part of uh, having that hourglass figure and being that perfect... A Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. The perfect 1950s -hmm. woman. So yeah, she's she. We realize from this scene because her friends like, why do you have to measure yourself? And she says, I've been measuring myself every day for ten years, which is crazy to me. But like, whatever. I mean, it, it's all it, it's it's something that she wants to pay attention to. Um, and then her and her friends say, you know, Joel's got another uh, comedy show. How about you you come with us to the club one day? And, and Get her a friend, babysitter. her friend, who's also like pretty. Uh, hoity-toity, I guess, mm-hmm. says, oh, I haven't been downtown in, like, years. Yeah. So she's very much an uptown girl. Uh, and <laughs> Wants she to get out of the house and do something to, mm-hmm. a little risque yeah, with her says, husband. I'm going to wear a beret. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. But, like, she's going to wear that beret. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, her friend leaves the apartment. And this is probably... A very big turning point mm, in extremely mm-hmm, in the show. Uh, Maisel, who pours herself a martini and she uh, stands there and sips it. The TV's on, and uh, it's Bob Newhart. And Bob Newhart gives a uh, comedy routine. And the first joke that Bob Newhart tells is exactly the same joke that Joel Maisel told at the last comedy show. Hmm. I wonder why, man. Is Bob Newhart, famous comedian Bob Newhart, stealing Joel's material? Crazy. But that's what Maisel thinks. That's what she thinks. She uh, she runs in to the kitchen uh, where Joel is unpacking from work. And she says, someone has been at the club. Someone's been watching your material. They, Look, Bob Newhart is saying your jokes on TV. And he's not mad. There's no reaction. He, and she's like, why aren't you mad? What are you going to do about this? We need to do something about this. He's like making everyone laugh and mm. taking full credit for it. Um, and that's when you find out that uh, Joel was uh, aware of what he was doing and, in fact, was stealing Bob Newhart's jokes. Um, and his entire act. Chump. Correct. Chump. Um, and it's this whole joke about um, Abraham Lincoln. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, but um, and about how he's supposed to look, but yeah, not good. Not good. Not good. I mean, it's really fun. It's really funny from Bob Newhart. Mm-hmm. And what you realize is like, oh, people steal jokes all the time. Joel says, but and that makes sense because in the 1950s, not everybody has a TV, so not every person can see people like Bob Newhart or other famous comedians. Or the records. Mm-hmm. He said, I heard it on the record. I, you know, I changed the infliction a little bit. Right. Like, trying to make up for stealing the jokes and not giving credit. But Miss Maisel's pretty upset about this. Uh-huh. Okay. So, on to the next scene. I believe it is Joel getting ready for his next. He calls Midge and tells her, Hey, did you get me that time slot? Because I have the friends coming. I couldn't make it down to the club at work today to get a time slot. I really need a time slot, a ten thirty time slot. Mm-hmm. Like, you, pro- I need you to make the brisket. I need you to just make the brisket. And and uh, Mrs. Maisel's like, oh, okay, like fine, I'll, I'll make the brisket. She's like, whatever you got to do. She's taking care of her kids. She she goes on and she makes a brisket. And she says, I'll be there to pick you up at eight o'clock. 
Um, she goes. I'll be in a taxi. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, 8 o'clock exactly. Yes. No, like, no excuses. Like, 8 o'clock exactly. Yeah. So, she, uh... Makes the brisket. Makes the works brisket. her magic. Gets him a time slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she does the same thing that she always does. This time, it's a little more challenging. Um, we have the the bartender who knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that her name is Susie. Yeah. And she knows that something's up with this stand-up. Yeah. And that... Baz isn't around, so she can't talk to Baz. She has to talk to Susie, who's, like, not the most friendly uh, lady in the bar. And she's trying to instruct her to give Joel a time slot. Um, just eat the brisket. Just eat the brisket. And right. she's kind of like, I don't really care about your brisket. Like, nope. I have people that are already scheduled. Exactly. We should go back and say that the whole scene in the taxi, uh, Maisel, who made the brisket and brought Joel over his performing sweater, hands Joel his black turtleneck performing sweater. And what's wrong with it? There's holes in it. It's been eaten by moths. Ted. A moth named Ted. And she <laughs> makes this joke about... How I don't like he says, Why is there moths in my sweater? I can't believe there's holes in my sweater. And she goes, I don't know what you want me to tell you. The the moth's name was probably Ted or something. And he's just like blaming her for this horrible moth issue. Mm-hmm. It's like this huge deal and how he has to have his special sweater. Um and then he they get to the club and their friends are already there. Mm-hmm. Midge was late. The taxi got stuck in traffic, so he's yeah. freaking out. Yeah. He's just a really dick. <laughs> he's uptight. He's yeah, terrible. Super uptight. And she says, oh, I would have gotten out to, to come get you at the office. And he's like, well, you were already late, so I don't care what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just kind of a loser. I wrote that a bunch of times in my notes. Oh, he's about a loser. much of a loser he is. So tick, tick, tick. Time passes by. And uh, they're waiting, and they're waiting. Their friends are about to leave. And they're, like, really, like, taking it like champs, even though they're, like, super classist. And they're like, wow, look at this place. Yeah. And they are sort of, like, enamored with the the grit and grime of the place, even though, like, it's just because it's something that they're not used to when they think it's adventurous, even though it's, like, the more realistic view of the majority of the city. Um, So they're getting ready to pack up. Midge is like, just wait, just wait. He, he's he's coming up, and right as they're about to leave, uh, they call Joel up, and Joel goes up. Susie and- goes, "You're on now." Yep. Like he, she knows that Midge is really the one who wants Joel to be exactly. successful and is trying to do all these things. And I think secretly, like she likes uh, Midge and what she's done, but uh, so she gives him another chance. And on the taxi ride, she, uh, Midge was kind of pressuring Joel to try his own material and do his own yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So then he uh, gets up there mm-hmm. and completely bombs. Bombs big time. Like, tries to tell the joke about the moth, has horrible delivery. Yep. Um, he's basically went from stealing Bob Newhart's joke to trying to steal Midge's joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really shows that he has lack of any originality, so he <laughs> yep. really is the worst. <laughs> yep. Um, so he just is really horrible, and then he resorts back to telling the Abraham Lincoln joke that it, he yeah. told the week before, Nobody which isn't that. his, and he just really can't recover. He's drowning up there. Uh-huh. Even the friends are, like, you know, smiling and yeah. kind of are, like, uncomfortable, but they're, they're like, ah, we can't really just leave. We're about to leave already, so. Yep, and then <sighs> awkward taxi ride home. He doesn't want to hear the notes that she took. It's just it's just bad. And they get back 
to their apartment, and uh, Mrs. Maisel walks into the room, and uh, He's there packing he is, up. packing up. In I her got, suitcase. In her suitcase. Her baby blue suitcase says, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. She's and, like, yeah, he's like, I want to be, I wanted to be a comedian and you ruined my dreams. Uh, all of this, like, bullshit about how, stupid. you know, he, she's supposed to be there to support him and not do anything wrong, but she would Clown. just call him out on his crap um, and wanted him to be better. And he's really being horrible uh, mm. to her. And that's when uh, we find out that he's not just leaving her because he wants to be a comedian, but because he's been having an affair. Jump! So, again, he's a loser. Mm-hmm. A loser. Um, and he, we find out that he's been having the affair with Penny, his secretary, who Ugh. we met briefly in the beginning Very of the briefly. show. Um, and she was trying to figure out how to use an electric pencil sharpener. <laughs> pencil sharpener. Um, and she made weird, awkward eye contact with Midge. Um, and it makes sense as to why that um, would happen. And he even goes to say, so you'll tell your parents for me? Because he's that much of a like uh, a loser and a chump God. that he doesn't even want to, um, you know, come forward and say what's been happening. And it is also the day before Yom Kippur. The, rabbi the rabbi's coming. coming. The house is set up. Um, he doesn't even say goodbye to his children. No. Which, like, was so frustrating to uh. me. Like, leaving is one thing, but not even saying goodbye to your kids. He just gets up and leaves. And, again, she I laughs and She laughs in his face, yeah. too. And, and she's like... This isn't really happening. Like you're you're not leaving, and then sure enough, he doesn't even look back. Yeah, he just goes down the elevator and bang, done. So, uh, what's Midge to do but go in her nightgown to her parents? She goes over to their apartment. Not even crying. Not she even crying. Is like She's taking it like a a boss, <laughs> like a boss. And uh, she wakes her mom up, or, or no, she wakes her dad up, who's sleeping on the couch, mm-hmm. Mr. Monk. And Monk is like... What are you doing? Get out of here. Doesn't even say anything to her. He's just like calling Uh, for his wife, calling for his wife, calling for his wife. And then Midge's mom comes in. She says, I need the two of you to sit down. I have to tell you something. She explains it. And then her mother has the gall to call her out. She says, what did you do? Yeah. And so, so much woman uh, blame. She's saying, you married a weak man. This oh is your God. fault. And I was like, how? Like, I was like, I hated it. It's like so much victim blaming. I'm like, she didn't do anything. Both of her parents go absolutely crazy yeah. in their own way. Her like, mom's like screaming and crying in the living room and she goes, mom, could you please stop crying <laughs> in the living room? And then she gets up and goes to the bathroom and slams the door. Is and that just, better? Yeah, it continues to do it. The dad the dad is in his study. He like slams the door shut and starts like angrily playing on the piano. Yeah, it's so strange. Over and over again about like, you need a husband. And like this whole scene is like so dramatic and Midge is just like, what is happening? Like, why are they so upset? Like, and she's thinking about Yom Kippur is the next day. Yeah, like they... 30 people coming over. Crazy. I think that that's where the mother was coming from, too. Like, she wanted... Yeah. Well, very much they were like, perfect. okay, nobody nobody at the party tomorrow should... Nobody can know. Joel's sick. Joel's sick. Joel's just not there. Nobody can know. Because they don't want to ruin their image, basically. And Midge is like, no. Like, like F that. <laughs> whatever. So, uh, she leaves... And she goes back, goes back to her apartment and the lights are all off and sort of somber music's playing. She's walking around the house. We see the whole table set and a bottle of 
some wine. wine. Maybe it's maybe it's Manischewitz. I don't know. I know I know that that's a that's a wine that you drink. It was if, definitely red. Yeah, it was definitely red. And uh, she says, "Screw it!" Grabs the bottle, pops it, and uh, starts downing it. And starts walking. Yeah, and she in the kitchen. She finds what's not there. What's not on the shelf? Her Pyrex. Oh yeah, she Pyrex left it at the club. Like saying the the perfect location that it was in her kitchen because again her house is so clean everything is in perfect order and you just see this gap in the shelves <laughs> uh, where her pink pyrex should be so she uh, with a groan she's like Ugh, I fine. have to go get it now I like there's go get it. there's no option so she hops on the subway yep. with her subway token I can't remember how she got the subway token. But she, I think, she, I think she just had it or something. No, she. I think she was given it. She was given it by Joel because yes. after, because the way the club works, where he did his comedy, uh, they just pass around a hat and people throw tips in it. And someone got a. It was like three dollars and thirty one cents and a bus token yes, or uh, a, a subway, subway token. token. She's like, oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. So she had a subway token. She's just drinking like a complete like legend. She's in like you know. I'm just gonna drink on the subway I'm in my do- nightgown and my pink coat, and it was raining. Yes, but it was a beautiful nightgown that she had been wearing the night before. It had like an overcoat, and then she had her pink coat on. It was super luxurious. Mm-hmm. Again, she has money. Yes, and you can tell. It's her parents' money, likely. I don't think Joel's really breaking it in. I mean, he he's a VP. They said he was a VP of a sales company, so... She knows how to dress, though. Yeah. Oh, definite. yeah, no. And even in her nightgown, uh, she's getting some weird stares on the subway. Yeah. She's crying now. She's got her bottle of vino. It's raining. She's chugging wine. Uh, kind of an iconic moment oh, for yeah. her. Oh, yeah. This is and the, another this is huge... The catharsis. Yeah, a huge turning point. She makes Again. it. Uh, she makes it to the club, and uh, what's a drunk? What's a drunk <laughs> Mrs. Maisel to do? She goes up to the goes up to the bar. She says, "Where's my Pyrex? And my Pyrex." Susie has no idea what she's talking. Where's about. my Pyrex? And uh, Susie says, "I don't know what Pyrex is. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about." She's like, Ugh, "Fine." It's another one of those uh, comedic moments in this big. Uh, dramatic scene um, that was needed and then she stumbles up onto the stage and turns out to be extremely witty um she's you know dropping jokes she's doing great she's Mm -hmm. like you know just up there oh like a queen doing her thing i wrote legend icon queen right at this part in my notes because i thought that she was like this is her proving like i don't need a man F Joel, I'm funnier than he ever was anyway, mm-hmm. and um, I'm using my own material. Yeah. She makes this whole joke about her body that was so funny. Really good joke. Um, about how, why wouldn't you want to come home to this? And she's, and she's like, like, it's her uh, boobs. Well, well, yeah, she's like, why wouldn't you want to come home to this? And she's like, okay, I know my face is all messy. She goes and like grabs a purse, covers her face. And then she's like, who wouldn't want to come home to this body? And then she's like, okay, I know I'm a little bloated. She covers her stomach. I've been drinking. I, I've been drinking a lot. I drank a whole bottle of wine. She covers her stomach. And she's like, who wouldn't want to come home to these? And then she just bears all. Yeah, she flashes the whole audience. Mm-hmm. And somehow the police know. Yeah, the police are And they come there. rumbling through the doors um, and arrest her. Yep. Right on the scene, and I felt so bad, because I was like, oh. she's just trying to be a boss-ass bitch. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, got her wine, she has her liquid courage, her husband left her, yes. F him, I'm gonna be awesome. Yes. And then, here come the police. And, uh, 
she's got to spend a whole 20 minutes in, in jail. <laughs> yes. Uh, Susie, who saw the whole thing, she was so into her routine. And then when she sees her, you know, uh, bear all to everybody, she's like, oh, oh God, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And she's like, I, I got to go. And she and Susie bails her out, mm-hmm. um, gets her out of jail. We find out she was arrested because she didn't have a license to uh, do the comedy or to <laughs> play the music or whatever. And public it would indecency, be. but. Yeah. It was like Cabernet license, um, and she's in the behind the cop Cabaret car. Cabaret license, I, yeah. Cabernet, that's Cabernet. A, that's a wine. Maybe that's what she was drinking. Maybe who knows? <laughs> um, but there was when she gets arrested, there was someone in the cop car yes. with her. Yes, the one and only Lenny Bruce. <laughs> but we didn't realize it was Lenny Bruce until later in the show. We just was like, oh, this is a guy. I I, I thought it was just like a regular drunkard. Yeah. But uh, it was Lenny Bruce, and that's sort of important for uh, one of the scenes coming up. But she's bailed out. Uh, she says, "Prison changed me." I'm a con now. I've got a rap sheet. Yeah. She's like, Honestly, and then Susie's just shaking her head, like, chill out. You were arrested for 17 minutes, I think is what it yeah, was. so stupid. Um, so, like, a super insignificant amount of time. Nothing to harden her up or get stick and point tattoos on her neck or anything <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so, her and Susie go to a bar. Uh, it's still late at night. Uh, they're... They get like a, a glass of water or something to drink, and and she and I think she's drinking bourbon or whiskey. Oh or something. yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's she's going. She's she's drinking hard liquors. And Susie is like, look, you've got a lot of raw talent. I I could see it up there that you 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 had it. Like you could do it. And she hands her this pamphlet. You're like, oh, what's this pamphlet? Um, who says like you're? I think someone hands her a flyer, and then um. Susie knows what it means, and she oh, goes, oh, well, oh. now you're a member of the Communist Party now. And Midge is like, what? Like, I just took the flyer. But it was right after she had taken a handful of peanuts, and she's eating them off the table, and she's just scarfing them down, because uh. she's been drinking all night. She doesn't really eat a lot, because she's trying to maintain those measurements, mm-hmm. that perfect body. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm breaking fast. I'm drunk. I'm yes. eating peanuts. And she's, like, spitting the peanuts out. And someone comes, hands her this flyer. She takes the flyer. And Susie's like, oh, well, now you're a member of the Communist Party. Oh. And it was kind of, like, out of... I was like, wait. What? And then I was like, wait, this is 1958. Very weird. But, yeah. But, uh, interesting little uh, loop in there that I had not expected. Um, so... Midge is about to get up and go. There's this little conversation about, like, well, Susie, you're content with being alone. Like, you're alone all the time. And and Susie says, like, I don't mind being alone. I just don't want to be insignificant. insignificant." Uh, Probably Mm -hmm. my favorite line from the show. I also Um, have that written down. It's, like, super empowering. Yes. Susie is going to be, like, this sort of a guide. Susie's going to watch her now. uh, Despite Midge getting up and going on her own. Uh, so she gets back, and then uh, she sits. Oh, well, she de- she tries to take a cab. She doesn't have money for the cab. No money. So where she she goes to like the she just goes to the Communist Party. Yeah, it's like hideout or whatever. Sits until there. Someone takes her home, or I don't know how she gets home. Well, she hops on the sub. We we do see her on the subway. She just needed enough for the fare. I guess she was just like chilling with them until somebody like making a relationship yeah. where she could like get the money to get home. And when she's on the subway, that's where she's got her pink notebook out, mm-hmm. and she's starting to write her own... You see her own jokes in mm-hmm. the thing. Like, all these things you can tell she had suggested to Joel, or had written down um, that she had heard, and she's, like, kind of, you know, like, okay. Like, you can see her, like, her mindset's changing, like, I'm no longer gonna be, like, 
sad about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's go. Um, she got that empowerment from Susie that she needed to yeah. keep going. So she gets herself together. She goes back to the police station, and she bails out Lenny Bruce. And Lenny Bruce comes down the stairs, and he says something to the policeman like, I have three joints in my wallet. They better still be in my wallet. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. And uh, and then she's at the bottom of the steps, mm-hmm. all dressed like in this beautiful green dress. Yes. Like she had gotten herself back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees her and he goes, you're not my wife. Right. <laughs> um, and there, he's like, kind of like, why did you bail me out? Like this confusion, like, who mm-hmm. are you? What's the deal with this? Yeah, but remember, Lenny Bruce from the very beginning was a formative character in her coming to this revelation about wanting to be a comedian. And she goes on this thing as he's sort of walking away like, is it important to you? Why do you love it? Yeah. Why do you love comedy? Why do you keep doing it? What mm-hmm. do you get out of it? How do you keep doing it? And uh, he goes off and he's like, it's. I think he refers to it as a cancer, and it shouldn't exist, and it just, like... He kind of hate Like, he's like, I hate it, but... All it does is bad stuff, and then, uh... And then Midge says, like, as he turns his back uh, to her one more time, as his wife shows up... Who's like, I went to the barracks! I thought you would be at the barracks! And, like, her, like, thick New York accent, like, in, uh, like, disheveled, and, like, her hair is a mess. Like, complete opposite. Like, the place he usually Mitch. gets arrested. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of goofy. You usually go there, and he's like, well, why would you check there for... It's like, it's just this whole New York conversation. And, uh, Maisel, from behind him, says, you love it, though, right? And Lenny Bruce turns around, and he just does that little shrug yeah and you're like any smiles and you're like oh and then i think i think midge says like oh yeah he he loves it yeah like you know is that it is there anything that's pretty much the end and then like cut to credits and Mm -hmm. uh and there we go we have there we have it she has this ending confident look in herself yes Uh, you can see it in her eyes yeah this empowerment totally gonna make it ready to rock Mm -hmm. so um yeah, that, that was so. That was the the summary of what we watched. Uh, now let's talk about a little bit of the things that we liked and disliked. And if I had an idea, there's probably a lot more to like, but we'll see. What what? Start with what you didn't like. I really struggle to find things that I didn't mm-hmm. like. Um, I think I just am someone who hates cheaters um, and oh, yeah. men like that. So he, I found Joel's character like extremely infuriating, mm-hmm. and I know that it's like you know necessary for the story. Yeah. But I was just kind of like, you know, he seems like such a great guy in the beginning, and like the wedding, everything seemed so perfect, and I was just so mad um, by his character. But I mean, the things that I disliked, I can barely like. They're totally in the background uh-huh. of the things that I liked for the most part. But what about you? It was something that stood out that was... Yeah, very similar. Um, not super huge on the Joel on, on Joel's character. I, I About 20 minutes in, I was like, okay, something's going to happen. Yeah. There's going to be some falling out between the two. Should have figured it's the very you know, cliche, a fair story. But I like the way that... Well, and I'm already getting into likes, but I just like the way that she... What... Like, they they didn't really linger on it. No. 
She uh, just was like, she was just like, okay, go. I got stuff I gotta do because I gotta take care of my kids and I gotta, you know, now I gotta sort of make ends meet for myself. Um, there's not a lot, and mm-hmm. by lingering on it, like they very much could have ended this first episode with like that as the big bombshell at the end, but like that happens halfway through the show, mm-hmm. so like pretty good there. What are some other things I didn't like? Um, God, I mean, this is this is pilot's guide these days. Every show's just like good. Yeah. <laughs> Every show's just good. Um, as far as dislikes go, I would have liked. I would have liked a little bit more of. Um, I would have liked a little bit more of Susie. I mean, I'm sure, like, I can tell that she's such an important character that she'll be there. So I, you're going to get more if you watch more. But I personally would have liked to see more of her in that first episode. And, and mm-hmm. you see a fair bit of her. Yeah, there is, like, one scene that we didn't mention where um, Midge mm-hmm. goes to Susie's house. And you can see that she lives in, like, this super small house and is just kind of making ends meet. Yeah. Um and uh, you see, like, that small insight into into Susie's life, but I wish that we had seen more. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of get, like, oh, is she good, bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the deal with her, kind mm-hmm. of? Because you're so unknown. Like, she's so mysterious yes. in the beginning so um, and throughout the show that I was kind of like, oh, I wish I knew more about her. And then uh, in that scene, actually, we forgot to mention that that's how um, Midge gets her more time. Uh, more stand-up time in the next in the coming days. Right. She goes to ask for more stand-up time, and she doesn't need to make a brisket. She doesn't need no. to uh, impress uh, Susie's. You can Susie like Susie's so mysterious though, mm-hmm. so we don't know if it's like is she doing it because she likes Midge? Does is she, she have doing ulterior it? motives? Yeah. Is she trying to make her a higher up in the communist order whatever is, is going on with crazy. that i mean i got i've i've got theories but that's that's for later um yeah i'm not going to try to linger and come up with things that i didn't like because then i would just be fabricating stuff so let's talk about what we did like um i loved the styling of the show mm-hmm. um i thought that the wardrobe the costuming the makeup the hair everything yes. was beautifully done yes. you know the way that she's on the subway with the pink this pink coat that you can just say, like, just shows, like, it's money. Um, she has, you know, this traditional 1950s nightgown on, but she's, like, her hair is a mess. You know, you tell she's been in the rain, and, like, just, like, simple moments like that, and then everyone else is styling on the subway that's looking at her. You know, there's, you know, other street performers in there. There's business people. There's, you know... Like, kind of, like, the scum of New York, like, in the subway as well. And, like, the subway is just, like, stuck in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, every time, like, as soon as the opening scene happened, where she's dead in the center in her wedding dress that has the cap sleeve, that has the white, that has the curls. It just, like, was beautifully done, mm-hmm. I thought. Perfect period piece. Yeah, like, I've taken, um, I took a film studies class, and we talk all about styling the whole time, and as soon as the show started, I was like, oh, Oh, like, this is well done, this is, Mm -hmm. um, made, like, accurate to the times for clothing. That's, like, the great thing, like, something I appreciate more and more the more I think about it, like, the, the director's ability to make sure that, like, 
none of present day New York gets in and like make it look like you're legitimately dropping a, a mm-hmm. cameraman right in the actual 1950s. The cars, the cabs, like mm-hmm. this crowded New York. Everything's authentic. It's cr- like crazy how well it's done and how like they show this huge um, building that I think is like the Four Seasons. It's the building that's the outside of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, um, and yeah. they zoom, they like the pan up to it, and you can't tell that it's like CGI or if it's actually there or if it's actually the 1950s or if it was taken, you know, a year ago. Like there's you, it's so like well lit that the lighting changes and everything like that. I just keep it with that 1950s vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I loved was the music. Mm. Music was freaking good. A lot of traditional 1950s songs, 1940s songs, 1930s songs. A lot of really good old numbers that like just give the the montages and the transition scenes while people are moving from one place to another. Um, where there's not a lot of dialogue needed. There's just perfect, perfect songs. And if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a song at the end after she, like, has her stuff together, after she leaves the bar with Susie, as she's, like, sort of twirling around in her nightdress and her uh, pink jacket, that, like, it says, I've got... Um, I've, she's got, like, people's fingers snapping to her command, and you're basically mm-hmm. like... Oh, this this woman's gonna like. She's gonna be pretty influential. Mm-hmm. You can tell that like she has a grip that personality on her audience, yeah. um, and then that will pro- likely be uh, a trait that will translate through uh, future episodes of the show. She has the charisma. She has. The, oh, she's got it. The perfect personality for show business, but isn't mm-hmm. arrogant like Joel was. Yes. Um, isn't too good for. You know, going to the taking the subway and going to the grimy club. So mm-hmm. no, she's mm-hmm. she's cool. Uh, other things, I mean, I thought the jokes were pretty good too. Yeah. Like one of the thing, one of the things that I really liked was how traditional the comedy was in like like the, I, I know a little bit about comedy I know that there's like an important thing called the rule of three have you ever heard of the rule of three Mm-mm. so like in comedy I, I don't quote me on this but like you can say a joke like three times and it like hits up to up to three times but if you say it too much more than like you're funny. you're overdoing it okay. yeah so like it hits the first time because it's the first time everybody's hearing the joke and then you're and then the second time it's like oh they referenced it like i love that joke and then yeah. the third time it's like yes i needed to hear that one more time and then you're done um and it, it's like talking we talked about her routine we didn't go into too much detail but like she and i wrote this down in my notes she was talking about the woman that joel was having an affair with and her, her name was penny. penny penny pant or something like that and she says on the mic penny pant Penny Pant. Over and over. Penny Pant. But no, she says it three times. Yes. That's that's the only reason that I was like, oh, nice. Rule of three. Mm-hmm. Like, she said it, and she didn't, like, say it too much, and everybody was, like, all about it. Like, she gets this raucous la- laughter, and you're just like, nice. Okay. She's got the, uh, the traditional comedy vibes going mm-hmm. on, and that's why she's going to be able to do it. She's, for whatever reason, 
like breaking the mold. It doesn't seem like she has that much upbringing with comedy. No. She's just like a personal. Like she she's just like a per- is funny. She just is funny. Exactly. She just has that natural personality, and I also loved how like the the Lincoln joke that Joel, like, did so well executing that he stole from Bob Newhart. Like, at the... One of the closing scenes is um, Midge back in... Or when she's drunk at the bar. Yes. Um, and the guy up there is telling the same joke. Oh, um, my gosh, And it's yes. kind of like she turns into Susie. Like, when Susie was watching uh-huh. Joel take... Um, like, watch Joel take the stage and say this joke about... Lincoln, and she's, like, not laughing. She's staring at him, like, this guy. Mm-hmm. Midge then becomes that because she knows that it's not original material. And, like, the laughs in the audience are kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh-huh. Like, sympathy laughs um, because no one really knows that he stole it. Yep. But you just see Midge's face, and she's just shaking her head like, mm, I know what you're doing. Mm, clown. You're just, yeah, you're a clown just like my husband. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. A ton... A ton of good there. It was super entertaining. And really important because it's a 56-minute show that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way because you're so, you're so engaged. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, you know, that's another big Just kept plus to the mm-hmm. show that it does not drag. Uh, M, do you have anything else that you liked or disliked that you really want to get on the table before we move on? Um, I don't think so. I loved, I actually low-key loved the kids. Like, yeah. Ethan, like, they were only, like, in the, a few shots, mm-hmm. but just, like, you can tell so much about their personalities, and, like, True. Ethan not answering, the poor little girl that they just keep measuring and talking yes. about her. Like, again, it was one of those 1950s elements, those, uh, I don't know if it had anything to do with them being Jewish or not, but, like, the, the mm-hmm. mother and being there and just uh, acting the same way. And Midge kind of being like, uh, I, yeah, uh, I kind of agree with you, but, like, also being different. Um, and how they're, the characters that they created with the parents are, like, so different mm-hmm. from Midge. And you're kind of like, how did she end up being so funny when her parents are too... Like, her mom's so extra and over the top, and her dad's just, like, this miserable old grumpy man. Yes. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to see how she uh, came out as this witty and like awesome comedian yes she she's got it mm-hmm. so uh if that's it then uh we'll move on to our next segment you cool with that yeah i'm good Alrighty. so now for our next segment this is a part of the show where we talk about the things that we think will happen later on in the season and the series um i'll just let you open up what do you what do you think you got theories you got ideas? My biggest theory is that Susie and Midge are going to be best friends. They've created this partnership, yeah. I think. Um, I think that they're going to be a constant duo. I could see in the future Midge helping or trying to help Susie out with her living situation um, because Midge does have money, as uh. mentioned. And... Midge doesn't really want to be alone. She mentions how, like, I don't really want to live alone. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. And Susie's like, you know, I've kind of gotten used to living alone. I'm kind of used to being alone. So I'm thinking maybe there could be a moment where Susie moves in with Midge and her family or something similar. Or maybe uh, Midge, like, upgrades her apartment or something. Because, like, her apartment is so small. Like, you Mm -hmm. open the door and it hits the bed if it's out. 
Yep. So I could see that that might be something that might mm-hmm. happen, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that their friendship is something that will continue to grow throughout the show, and I see, like, their relationship is something that's, like, super familiar to me, is, like, mm-hmm. um, like something that you would want with your, like, fellow girlfriends, like, her, like, supporting and empowering each other, yeah. which is something that wasn't necessarily, like, found in the 1950s, like, you don't necessarily see that, like, empowerment between women, um, it's something that's, like, totally common now, um, but, like, I think that their empowerment relationship, and she's, and Susie's gonna be someone who propels Midge into, um, her comedy career, which is another one of my theories, um, that she'll have this this blooming career. I mean, I'm pretty... I feel like that's pretty evident. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was so good, she killed it. Like, that is who she's going to be, but, like, do you have any, like, hotter takes on what you think her career is going to be like? Well, I'm wondering if she'll have to get used to doing it sober. Mm. So her first (laughs) performance, she's, like, trashed. Like, I'm wondering if her next performance, she might, like, bomb a little, and then she has to, like, get used to this... Kind of good idea. of doing it not drunk, or she'll Mm -hmm. continue to do it drunk, but I don't really think that that fits her personality. Mm -hmm. And I think that her, like, observing people on the street is going to be, like, a main theme throughout, and that's how she gets her jokes. Like, she'll be like, oh, I saw this guy walking down the street doing this. Right. And that'll be, like, what she, like builds her jokes off of, like, reality and what's Situational happening. comedy. And right? Joel. I think that and he'll Joel, be oh, yeah. the She's focus of going for jokes. Him. He deserves it, so. He deserves it. He deserves it. How about you? So, one of, I, I actually twisted my one of my theories a little bit the more that you said it. So, the, the biggest thing that I hooked on to, because it wasn't something that I expected, I was like, I'm pretty confident that she's going to become a very big comedian, but... This whole wrinkle about the Communist Party mm. is going to make something happen. And and my my outright theory... So, right now there's two, two seasons of the show. So, it's been going for a little bit. It's at that two-season bubble. Very prominent in Pilot's Guide. We watch shows that have two seasons very often. Uh, so, it's been around for a bit. And if I had to think about where the show could go into a way that would flesh it out into like this super rich story would be she has to get further and further involved with the communist party and if what i think will happen is she's going to become a super popular comedian super popular and then something to the point where people are writing either tabloids or there's Mm -hmm. like paparazzi things and they're gonna realize that like oh she's a red like she's working with the communists and that doesn't really fly in the 1950s. I mean, they're just coming off the Red Scare, so I'm theorizing, like, could there be another Red Scare, even though she's, like, not an actor? But who knows? But what I thought, something that you said that I, I'm sort of going to uh, latch on to, I think Susie, very independent, uh, also very much about the things that she has. I think... Uh, Midge mm-hmm. will give Susie money to get out of her situation, but she will take the money, funnel it into the Communist Party, Whoa. and then it's going to be like... Midge donated Midge to the donate, Communist donate Party. Midge donated to the Communist Party. Oh, I don't want and, that to happen. And then... Yeah, oh, I, I don't mean, want she, that to happen. She did talk about, oh, now I'm a con, now I have a rap sheet. 
she very much could just keep going back and forth to jail. Maybe there's like a whole. Maybe there could be a whole uh, season where she's in jail and I like hope making not. it up. It's not Orange is the New Black. No, but it's it's Midge is the new jail baller queen. Is the new Lenny Bruce? The new Lenny Bruce. I mean, yeah, but like that's sort of where I'm at with that. I think that would be a pretty interesting, um, a pretty interesting storyline. All things considered, something has to come to a head about her being in the Communist Party or being a member of the Communist Party and it not flying because oh, yeah. it doesn't fly. And and that could mean anything. That could be literally anything. She could get persecuted. Uh, and and I can like I can visualize this scene where she's in front of like uh you know, US okay. politicians yeah. at a table and she's like Telling Being jokes, telling yeah. tell, well, telling jokes on like the little microphone to like lighten the mood, and no one's laughing, and like no one's laughing. Yeah. Exactly, like that's that's. Oh, I don't want that to happen. I don't though. want it to happen either. I want her to just like be successful and yes. be happy. But I don't know. I don't know. Also, don't know. I don't have any takes on what's going to happen with Joel. Like divorce, I'm, not common, not a thing fair. that happens in the nineteen fifties and sixties. So um, I don't know if like. Penny will be around more, mm-hmm. or um, and he still ha- they have kids together. Yeah. So like, if he's not a complete loser, he's gonna want to see his kids. True. So it's like, is he gonna? I I mean, I don't think he's gonna be in every episode because mm-hmm. I think that the people who watch the show would be annoyed because he is so the worst part of the show. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen with them. Add another wrinkle. It's Joel who tells the media that she is a member of the Communist Party. Because he he's finds a VP. Out of what? Of some big Like, company. no one knows, like, what he does. Like, mm-hmm. at one point he asks her, like, what am I? And she right. goes, you're the VP of something. That's that's my career. That's not my dream. Yeah. I want to be a comedian. Well, too bad. Your wife is going to be a better comedian than you'll ever be times 50. Correct. Um, and I would bet money that... Uh, that's going to make one Joel Maisel pretty jealous. Yeah, I could and see it jealousy also... Jealousy running the plot yeah. would make a lot of sense here. Like a scene of her getting on to, I don't know, name a famous 50s show. Um, yes. Or getting on a stand-up comedian show or doing something like that and him sitting there just stewing and mm-hmm. being so mad or seeing a, an article about her um, in the newspaper and yes. him just being like, ugh... Like, this mm-hmm. lady, like, I, she stole my jokes, maybe pulling one of those, like... Oh, man. I told the joke about the moth first, and it oh, just like did, he steal, it, it like, flopped. he steals her, steals her little pink book, and he's like, these are my jokes, even though, like, why would you have a pink book, man? Yeah, because it's, uh, you know, traditional gender roles. Yeah. Do you think, uh, you think she finds another man? Uh, No. I, I think agree. she's going to be like a single, strong, independent, spinster. Woman. Like, I have my kids. I have my best friend Susie. My parents are there. Uh, they suck, kind of low key. But I wonder if the next episode is going to be Yom Kippur. Because mm-hmm. remember, the house is set up. They are ready for Yom Kippur, um, and the rabbi is coming. Yeah, the rabbi is coming. She said it so many times. So many times. Um, and her mom said it a bunch of times. So I'm I'm interested to see how that will unfold. I'm thinking that that will um, happen. Maybe she's telling jokes at the Yom Kippur table. 
Maybe she gets. Maybe she says another thing about shellfish, and the rabbi's got to go away again. And it's another cycle. So, and the mom just is shaking her head. Yeah, maybe she starts Last Comic Standing, and that's why Last Comic Standing existed. That show that from the early two thousands. If anybody watched that, maybe who knows? But I think the show is rich with potential storylines. Uh, I don't see it going. You know, a a common route. I I think there's going to be pretty uh, complex character relationships. I hope. Oh yeah, for no. sure. Um, but there is a reason this show is the number one, considered the number one Amazon Prime original and an TV Emmy show. winner and an Emmy winner. It's pretty good. I didn't know that. Thank yeah. you for that. But like literally, you open Amazon and it's like bang, boom, Emmy winner. The Marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel, and I'm... Goat. Like, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. I get and it. why my best friend texted me and said, watch this. You like, gotta watch I this, I said, fam. anyone got a show? Because I'm going to be on Pilot's Guide with John. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, like, the only person who answered. Shout out to the rest of my group chat. You guys Ooh. suck. <laughs> oh, um, And said, you have to watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Cool. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Do you, you got any more theories no. before we go? I think I feel like if one more episode... I watch one more episode. I know the point of the show is to watch the pilot. Uh-huh. But if I were to watch one more episode, I think my theories would... Be richer. Evolve, yeah. Yeah, well, probably. I mean... That's what happens with shows anyway. But hey, that's why we're here to just think about it, because all we get is the pilot episode. So, bummer! We don't know more, but we can always watch more at another time. So, uh, that'll do it for this segment, if you're cool. Yeah. All right. So, now we will move on to our final segment of the podcast, the part of the show where we say whether or not we believe this show is crash landing or clear for takeoff. A a reminder, a crash landing show is a show that we believe will be canceled prematurely. And a Clear for Takeoff show will be a show that will tell its story to the way that they want it to be told and have a good or bad uh, fi- finale where everybody's like, okay, that's everything. Mm-hmm. So I will open the floor to you. Clear for Takeoff or Crash Landing? Clear for Takeoff, clear skies, no clouds in view. Nice. Flying back and forth to Australia without stopping, as Correct. Sean always says. Yep, back and forth. Back and forth. No stopping. No stopping. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Infinite gas. Infinite Infinity gas. gas. I think it is ready to take, like, it has taken off. It, the fandom is there. Yeet. The people love it. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, my verdict? I think you know. It's clear to take off. The show is a rocket ship going to Mars. You like that, Elon? You should just take Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and give it the cash, and then we could get to Mars. Duh. But this show, this show's got the credentials. Mm-hmm. Uh, two seasons, like I said, it's at that pivotal bubble. I don't know. I can't confirm whether or not it's been approved for another season. But I've got positive feedback from viewers of the show mm-hmm. it's got awards up front early in early seasons 
It is, if you look up articles about what I should be watching on Amazon Prime video, it is number one. Yeah. It's got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. 90% of people like it on Google. It's It's got got an 8.5 on IMDb. It's just so well made. The money's there. Direction's there. Direction's there. The production's there. The lighting, everything is just done beautifully. But what about the advertisement? Now, I... It, Sean always u- likes to use this as like his main point about whether or not he thinks the show is fit to move on. Yeah. Um, and I don't recall seeing a ton of advertisement for this show. I think I've only seen it when watching something on Amazon. Which is not often. And my fear for the show mm-hmm. would be that Amazon doesn't have the accessibility or the popularity necessary. Like, Amazon obviously has popularity. Yes. But the Prime video, like, I feel like a lot of people have Prime. Yeah. With shipping, they want the other stuff. They want the free shipping. They want the two days. Yeah. But but they don't don't know about their Prime video. It's true. They don't know about it. They don't know how to get to it. They don't know what the deal is with it. Exactly. Um, And they aren't seeing it. So, I could see a show like this... If Amazon were to drop it or something crazy like that to happen, a, a, a channel like HBO picking yes. it up, mm-hmm. it's definitely not meant for, like, ABC. No, no. There is nudity, there is... There's nudity, there's, there's vulgar, language. Like some vulgar things, but, like, also it's very clean in yeah. a sense, but I could see it being picked up by, like, an HBO mm-hmm. or, or a stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A sibling moment. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> the brain's locked <laughs> into place there. Uh, yeah, I I totally agree. Um, like, I, I wonder how many people have watched the Jonas Brothers documentary. Is that on Netflix? Amazon. Amazon? Mm. So I'm wondering if, like, that could be something you never know. Like, with this Jonas Brothers revamping bringing people to the Amazon platform, like, that could be like, oh, what's this show? Because when you open Amazon, it is right across the top. Like, is it true. isn't like mm-hmm. happiness begins is or chasing happiness is what you see when you're, you know, going on to Amazon. Even though, like, the Jonas Brothers are huge right now, yeah. you're seeing the marvelous Mrs. Maisel right, right across the top. You're right. seeing, like, the 1950s, like, the way that they made the poster and, like, the, the show, um, like, what's it called? screenshots on screenshots thumbnails thumbnail, like yeah. they are like to sh- tell you stuff about the show mm-hmm. but it's nothing like they can never offer as much information yeah. as the show actually had and unfolded and i went into it not knowing anything not knowing she was becoming a comedian like i knew nothing about the show i was just told to watch it and mm-hmm. when someone tells me to watch a show i usually do yeah true well i mean my girlfriend Kristen did tell me that She's heard about it, so mm-hmm. that's one person that hasn't watched the show that's at least seen it somewhere. Uh, so that's positive, uh, really. But I, I really like the point about like if it were to be canceled by Amazon, that it would no doubt be picked up because I do believe in the audience. I believe yeah. in the the value of what they're putting into the show, and you can't help but love the character. Yeah, yeah, no, you really can't. She's can. so likable. She has that mayor personality. She yeah. has it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, from both of us, it's clear for takeoff. So, Amazon, if you drop the ball, that's that's completely on you. Because you suck. You, <laughs> you suck. You suck. Um, but we know, we, we found out 
two weeks ago or three weeks ago that the tick got canceled, and that was after two seasons. And I, and see I was pretty confident for that one. That is true. We were talking about it that today. It was like, oh, there's a commercial for the tick. Uh, that show that got canceled a couple weeks ago. And maybe that's because I watched it with uh, John while he was writing his notes for Pilot's Guide, and true. I did not like it. So true. But alas. We'll see what happens with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Come back for episode 100 when we talk about where the shows are now. Oh, uh, fun. We'll see. Uh, but that will do it for that segment if you're cool to go. Yeah. All right, let's move on to closing out the show. All right, Em, thank you so much for joining me today. I had Thanks for having great me. great time. It's good. It's good to get another guest out there. We're, we're expanding our envelope of all of our guests, um, I, I like that we have the flexibility to get different people on. Uh, it's super fun. Totally uh, different for me, even though I'm a communication student. Yeah, I mean, I'm you've been on the radio. I have been on the radio. Shout out to whatever. WWEC 88.3, the sound the of sound Elizabeth Town. Um, you rock. Yes. E-Town College, Roll Jays. You, Millie, rock. Uh, go, Grey Ghosts, yeet. Yes. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Pilot's Guide Podcast. If you want to touch base with me or Sean or Emily, I'll give Emily an opportunity to plug some stuff. But uh, Sean and I, are our uh, ats are in the description of our Twitter. That's at Pilot's Guide Pod on Twitter. Uh, you could also send us an email at pilotsguidepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, please, if you would, uh, rate and review the podcast. Hit us with that five-star review on iTunes. Give us a little rating. It would really help uh, us grow. We just crossed the 400 download mark, which is Woo! pretty exciting. Uh, approaching 200 unique listeners. Pretty excited about that, too. Um, I'm just having fun doing podcasts, so I, I really appreciate everybody that's coming back every week and uh, listening. Emily, I would like to let you... Um, say your piece before we end the show. Um, so like I said in the beginning, I am an aspiring graphic designer. Yes. I'm a communication student but I also have an Etsy shop. Um, and that's how I try to make some money in the summer. So if you're interested in some calligraphy prints, um, I could do custom pieces as well. My Etsy shop is More Coffee Designs. Um, all one word if you just stick it into Etsy. Um, and you can also direct message me on Twitter which my Twitter handle is Emily underscore P underscore barber um, yes. and you can find me on twitter i'm not private on there but i'm private on other social media so you can mm. uh, message me on there uh, i have some of my work in my media section on twitter and yeah i do um, i make collages for people on photoshop and i um, do custom calligraphy work and paintings as well they're so good so you better go it's worth a check like regardless of whether or not you feel like you need art you'll probably go to the store and be like okay i need that piece like it's good it's good stuff she is a pro painter and a pro soon to be pro or pro graphic designer so i can uh, also photoshop lots of things oh yeah into pictures and photoshop out of queen. pictures there was a there was a picture with a dog's butt and she photoshopped the dog's butt out it's pretty yep. righteous mm-hmm um, other than that, I would like to thank Andrew and Angelo uh, for doing our sound production. Shout out, baby. Shout, shout out. out. Shout out to them. Um, usually I shout out Emily for doing the art, but she's done that herself. 
Um, There'll be a new logo coming soon. Yes, new logo. By by now, you might even be seeing it with this episode dropping, so who knows? But yeah, uh, another fun episode, another great show. Uh, I think the next week you'll be hearing um, the episode that Sean and I talked about two weeks ago, the How to Sell Drugs Online very fast or whatever the heck the show's called on Netflix. So you'll be hearing that very soon. I know any of you that have been out there anticipating that are expecting it. It'll be there and we'll get Sean back on the pod, get him in his co-captain seat. I hope I did an okay job. Uh, Sean, if you're listening, which I hope you are, um, I'm trying to replace you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh man. So last week we had Christian throwing Sean in the, in the, the luggage compartment and now Emily's calling him out. Sean, you gotta be worried. You gotta be worried, my <laughs> bud. But uh that will do it, and uh we're going to start taking our plane in for a landing. We'll be landing in Houston today. The weather is a nice 85 degrees, slightly humid. Uh there are some clouds rolling in, but other than that, it should be a beautiful day in the uh, state of Texas where everything is bigger. Uh, If you want, on the way out, after we uh, have touched down on the tarmac, uh, you can please take a tiny bag of peanuts, maybe a tiny water bottle. We've got a lot extra. You might want to break break fast, just like uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, Okay, so here we are. We're going to uh, let her down gently. Touchdown in the beautiful city of Houston. If you would like to, you can now unbuckle your seatbelts and feel free to roam about the cabin. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pilot's Guide Podcast. We will be back next week. Love you. See you later. Bye-bye. What it do, baby? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Before we take off, we must put the plane on sicko mode. Yeet. Yeet. Yeet.